mom has uh, two kids uh, playing in a uh, playroom just off the kitchen. She has uh, little uh, 18-month-old Timmy, and she has uh, a little older uh, Billy, about four years old. And uh, she's working in the uh, kitchen, and then she, all of a sudden she hears one of those screams from the playroom. And so she rushes into the playroom and, of course, addresses older Billy and says, Billy, what was that? What's going on? And, of course, Billy responds with the uh, internationally approved response from all kids, which is nothing. <laughs> and uh, mom says, Billy, something's going on. What is going on? And Billy says, Timmy just pulled my hair. That makes me really mad, and I'm about ready to let him have it. And mom says, Billy, Billy, you don't understand. Timmy is, he's too young. He doesn't understand. You know, Timmy's, he doesn't understand how much it hurts when people pull your hair. He doesn't understand, okay? He doesn't know. Billy says, okay, okay. And so she goes back into the kitchen. Nine seconds later, there's another scream. She goes back into the playroom and says, Billy, what is going on now? And Billy says, now Timmy knows. <laughs> it's a little joke, apparently not that funny, but uh, it's actually a profound illustration of this mad, mad world. This playroom is just a microcosm of this big, mad world we live in where if you pull my hair, I'll pull your hair. If you cause me pain, my anger will make you regret it. And just like Billy, I need to decide how I am going to handle my pain and my anger in reaction to that pain. And so do you. So let's talk about your anger starting with its cause. Let's analyze your anger as it usually comes from uh, your reaction to two kinds of pain. Anger is my reaction to, first, hurt inflicted by negative human interaction. And secondly, my anger is a reaction to frustration inflicted by negative circumstances. We all experience this. We all experience hurt and frustration. Uh, the question is, is there a way to keep my anger from destroying me and my relationships. Welcome back to the concluding message of uh, the series we've been calling Above and Beyond, where we've been hearing God speak through the Apostle Paul about this truth that a relationship with God above empowers me to go beyond the struggles that hold me down. So let's Go now to Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, and let's study what God says about what is probably the most obvious struggle that keeps us down, anger. Paul writes this in Colossians 3, beginning at verse 7. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. 
Here, God says, I can live above and beyond. Specifically, my relationship with God above empowers me with a peace that takes me beyond the anger that holds me down. In a relationship with God above, I am empowered with a set of new anti-anger abilities in Christ that flow from my new identity in Christ. But before we talk about those anti-anger abilities, let's talk about your anger. And you would say, what anger? I don't have any anger. I'm not, I'm not angry. That's your problem. Uh, most of us are slow to recognize our internal anger, and that's a problem. And that's why Paul lists five words that describe the anger issues I must go beyond. Uh, words like anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. Let's go over each one, starting with anger, which is Paul's general term that uh, is there to remind me that temper issues do not all have the same look. We all have different anger styles. Uh, in fact, there are three main anger styles. Uh, there is the expressor style, the repressor style, and the dispenser style. Uh, expressors let people know when they are upset. They display their temper with voice at raised volume. They slam doors and they often say words that they wish they could take back. Repressors have temper, but they stuff it inside and hide it and Sometimes that repression turns into depression. And then finally, between expressors and repressors, there are these people called dispensers. And dispensers tend to leak out anger in the form of subtle sarcasm, criticism, and giving people the silent treatment. Uh, you know you're a dispenser when people you're angry at say, are you okay? Is there something wrong? And then that gives you the opportunity to say what you've been longing to say. I'm fine. What's wrong with you? You recognize yourself in any of these anger styles? Uh, I hope so, because if you don't, you're in denial, and that's the worst anger problem of all. The next diagnostic word that Paul gives us is the word rage. Have you ever been furious at someone or something? Uh, rage is usually triggered by a sense of injustice where uh, there has been something unfair done to you or to someone you love. Uh, rage is what you feel when your young child, you learn that your young child has been repeatedly bullied by an older child. Or when a coworker makes a false accusation against you that has negative ripple effects upon you or the people that you love. The next uh, word is malice, which refers to revenge, a desire for revenge. Now keep in mind that expressors and repressors and dispensers all, you know, uh, demonstrate this kind of malice in different ways. I heard recently about an interaction between a married couple where a husband had just expressed uh, why he was mad at his wife and then paused and said, how come it is that whenever I uh, get mad at you, you never fight back? How is it that you manage your anger uh, so well. And the wife replied, well, whenever I get mad, I just uh, clean the bathroom with a toothbrush. And the husband said, wow, that's an interesting method. Uh, how does that help? And uh, she said, it's your toothbrush. <laughs> and uh, 
that's gross. And <laughs> it kind of shows the ugliness of malice, no matter what kind of uh, expression that it comes in. Uh, Paul's last two words uh, about anger refer to verbal anger. Slander implies verbal anger directed at a person. And uh, filthy language implies verbal anger triggered by some situation or circumstance. And one of the most profound things that Jesus taught was this profound teaching that the words of the mouth are the overflow of the heart. If I hear myself saying angry words to people, it's the overflow of anger in my heart. Let's not fool ourselves. It's a, it's a clear diagnostic test. If I hear myself saying angry words in my mind, it's because that angry self-talk is the overflow of anger in my heart. I need to listen to myself. If I hear angry self-talk against other people or against myself, my anger needs some healing. Everyone experiences hurt and frustration, and the default internal reaction is anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. But those who have a relationship with God above uh, can go beyond this, can go beyond. When the first layer of my identity, we talked about this last time, when the first layer of my many-layered identity is my identity in Christ, I am empowered with peace. Peace through the gift of seven anti-anger abilities. Now notice how Paul first starts with three marks of my new identity in Christ. I am chosen, holy, and dearly loved. Then from my new identity in Christ flow my seven anti-anger abilities. Let's look at these abilities, starting with compassion. Uh, true story. It's been a hard day at work. You're sitting on the train in Grand Central, uh, about ready to ride back to Fairfield, and you realize that it's about ready to get a lot harder of a day because a father just comes onto the train uh, with uh, his two preschool kids and the kids are kind of out of control. The train car is almost full, but these two preschool kids find a, an empty seat or two and begin jumping on these open seats. And the father just sits by a window nearest you and stares out the window. Meanwhile, the kids are jumping on uh, the seats and passengers are getting really mad and the father doesn't care. He just stares out the window. And you know what this is. This is another example of bad parenting resulting in kids who have no respect for property or other people. And this father is so wrapped up in himself that he just looks out uh, this window denying common courtesy for everybody else. And since you're nearest to this father, uh, the rest of the passengers look at you and kind of elect you to say something. And so you nudge the man and you say, sir, I wonder if you could say something to your kids. Uh, they're starting to really bother uh, the other passengers. And suddenly this man comes to attention as if kind of waking up from a dream. He turns from the window and you can see that he has tears in his eyes. And uh, he says, oh, I'm so sorry. 
And he starts to move to uh, corral his kids. And he says in a voice loud enough for the other passengers to hear, uh, I apologize, everybody. We've just come from the hospital where their mother just died. I guess we're all just having a hard time. At these words, what do you think happened to the anger on that train car? What do you think happened to the anger in each one of those passengers? Like I said, true story. And the man who told me this story explained how Jesus used this experience to teach him something, to teach him how compassion and greater compassion, the ability of compassion is part of Jesus' plan for healing the internal anger that kept him down. And the same is true for you. I know a woman named Rebecca, and uh, she has this massive inner rage against her mom. At least she did until she came to Jesus and she found a whole new identity in Christ. And she received a new compassion ability for her mom who abused her as a child. But with compassion, Rebecca was able to sense her mother's pain, able to sense that her mother was an abuser who was abused. And with compassion, Rebecca was able to sense um, something rising up in her that wasn't anger anymore. It was compassion that reduced her rage. And notice that Jesus didn't save Rebecca from her pain, but by growing compassion in her, Jesus did save Rebecca from something much, much worse, the inner destruction of rage. Uh, everyone on the train of your life is coming from or to a hospital. Everybody in the train of your life is fighting a hard battle and has struggles. So everybody on the train of your relationships deserves your compassion if you have that ability in Christ. Who is it that you need to express compassion to that you tend to be angry with? My next new ability in Christ is kindness. The, the Bible defines kindness uh, as being good to someone who does not deserve it. Uh, key here is a, a phrase uh, from Jesus in Luke chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus says, love your enemies, do good to them. And that word good is the same Greek word that Paul uses here in Colossians 3 for kindness. Love your enemies, Jesus is saying, be kind to them. Doing good to an enemy is impossible without a relationship with God. But with my new identity in Christ, he empowers me with the same kindness that he expresses to me when he transforms me from his enemy into his chosen, holy, dearly loved friend, child. When someone mistreats me, my first reaction is anger. My second reaction is to pray God, take this difficult person out of my life. And I find that Jesus does not usually answer that prayer. I find that Jesus does not bring me peace by removing difficult people. Jesus brings me peace by increasing my ability to be kind to difficult people. So students, you know, you have that mean older brother uh, at home. Do his chores for him someday, just so he doesn't get in trouble with his parents. Married people, out of kindness, 
Build up your spouse, even if your spouse rarely does that for you. On the job, save the day for that coworker who threw you under the bus last week and do it out of the same kindness you receive from God. In some ways, your enemy can be your best friend if it's part of God's plan to increase your kindness ability. In fact, when you see the most difficult person in your life this week, Give that person a big hug and just say, thanks for everything. (laughs) And uh, if you don't have a difficult person, find one or call the church office and uh, we have a list so we can uh, assign you to a difficult person uh, if you don't have one. Uh, Do good to an undeserving person, just like Jesus did good to you when you were still his enemy. And as you are kind in this way, you will find the ice of anger melting in your life. Next comes humility. Humility is the Christ-like ability to lay down your rights in order to serve someone else. Humility is a huge part of experiencing the healing peace of, of Jesus in my life and in my relationships. A high percentage of our interpersonal anger is due to interpersonal conflict that, is, that can be so easily resolved. You know, there is so much conflict between husbands and wives and parents and kids and coworkers and friends, and the only way there can be peace is if someone exercises the power of humility. I exercise the power of humility when I make the move to reconcile with someone even though I was not the person who started the conflict in the first place. You know what pride says? Pride says, I'm not going to reconcile with her. She hurt me. She ought to make the first move. But humility says, through Christ, I have the power to serve in this relationship. So I'll make the first move to make peace. So many interpersonal conflicts are just the result of misunderstandings that can be reconciled with a simple conversation. And so as I exercise the power of humility, I make peace in my relationships that is a reflection of the peace Christ makes with me. And when Jesus made the first move in my life, The next ability is gentleness. Gentleness is the Christ-like ability to build people up instead of tearing people down. Uh, Just like a heart full of anger overflows with words that tear people down, so a heart full of the gentleness of Christ overflows with words of appreciation and encouragement and kind words. God says in the book of Proverbs, very key, A gentle answer turns away, turns off wrath. It is true. Just try it sometime. Next time uh, a person comes up against you and you can tell that they're angry, they have something that they want to just say, you know, the first thing after they express some anger to you, instead of responding with defensiveness or a counterattack, in gentleness, say something like, you know, you are important to me. And uh, I'm anxious for you to tell me how I can make things right. It may sound corny, but just try it. 
Uh, if you respond to anger with a gentle expression of how the other person matters to you and how you want to be part of a solution, you'll be amazed at the reaction of people. Uh, two weeks ago, a person came up uh, after one of these worship services loaded for bear with some kind of uh, situation that they were upset with and came up to me and I could tell that they were angry. And after the uh, first expression of anger, I just responded with, you're very important to me. And you know, I meant this, and I want to be part of the solution and, and not the problem. And that person, by that gentle answer, was so shocked, he forgot what he came up to complain about, which was uh, amazing. Uh, a month ago, I got pulled over uh, for, a, uh, uh, for speeding. And uh, I can tell you that the power of gentleness works on everyone, <laughs> except the Fairfield Police Department. So... Uh, not everybody. Uh, the next ability is patience. The Greek word for patience here is really interesting. The word is macrothumia, where of course the first part, macro, means big, and the second part, thumia, means trial or test. And uh, uh, big test this is what this means. And there is a sport uh, that actually kind of illustrates uh, macrothumia, and it's rod and reel fishing. Uh, because there are different grades of fishing line. There's two-pound test, which only supports two pounds of pressure. And on the other end of the spectrum, there is a hundred-pound test fishing line. And this big test has a high breaking point that makes it useful for bringing up big blessings uh, from the sea. And you know, my life does not, only, does not always turn out the way I want it to, and neither does yours. So what are you going to do with that frustration in life? Are you going to get all mad? Are you going to go around stomping in an attitude of uh, discouragement or uh, despair? Well, if you are chosen wholly and dearly loved by the Father, then you are empowered with big test patience, which means that you can stand under the pressure of hardships and not break into anger. It means that you can experience disappointments and not lose your faith in the goodness of God. You can trust God in the stormy seas, and in the end, you can actually pull up big blessings in the midst of hurt and frustration, big blessings that come from trusting in God and experiencing his peace. Next comes forgiveness. When people without Christ get hurt, they often want to give people what they deserve. But this kind of revenge never works. But in Christ, I have the opportunity to do something infinitely better. In Christ, I receive God's grace, giving uh, me what I don't deserve, and therefore empowers me to give to those who hurt me what they don't deserve. Grace. Uh, the biblical word Paul uses for forgive contains the Greek word for grace. The word is charismai, and uh, it means giving people the same grace that I experience from God in Christ. And nothing, nothing protects my heart from the destruction of internal anger and protects my relationships more than this forgiveness ability. And right now, God is bringing to mind someone you need to extend forgiveness to and grace to for the peace of your own heart in relationship with Jesus, the giver 
of peace. And the final ability that flows from my new identity is love. As Paul says, love ties it all together. I can live above and beyond anger that destroys me and my relationships. As I experience God's unconditional, forgiving love, I am empowered. I'm empowered with the peace of Christ to be a peacemaker in this mad, mad world. I can live above and beyond. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.